now listening to the Paul McGuire Report. This is Paul McGuire. Welcome wherever you're listening on planet Earth. This program contains vital, critical, important information to you, your family, and your loved ones, the nation you live in, what kind of future you're going to have tomorrow, the next day, and after that. After that isn't even promised to us. In fact, five minutes from now is not promised to us. We live by the grace of God. But here's the critical thing. We are, right now, without question, there are so many global experts in so many diverse fields like economics and physics and biology and genetics and, well, I mean, I could go on for for a long time naming the different scientific disciplines. And almost all of them agree that we are in a planetary crisis, a, a global crisis of unprecedented proportions. Now, among the people that are concerned, and I'm one of them, and most likely you are one of them also, or you would not be listening to the Paul McGuire Report. The people that listen to the Paul McGuire Report, to be very blunt, are not the stereotypical airhead vegetable brain that, that the world, uh, you could say, wrongly or rightly perceives Christians as, Bible-believing Christians. Now, you may say that's cruel, but every time I turn on TV, or hear a comedy routine, or a talk show host, or any number of, of uh, people in our society that have a, a big platform of communication, I inevitably hear, as you do too, I inevitably hear mockery and jokes and uh, put-downs and insults targeted towards people who are believing Christians. We are the objects of their ridicule. Now, before I go any further, it would be nice to be able to say, well, they're just being totally unfair, they're totally biased, they're totally prejudiced, and they're demonizing us, not because of facts, but they're demonizing us because um, they don't like what we stand for. Now, in many cases, that is the truth. In many cases, the people who are supposedly claiming to be representatives of a biblical worldview and biblical Christianity, in many cases, not all cases, but in many cases, they conduct themselves with an embarrassing lack of wisdom, the absence of necessary social skills or people skills. In other words, they're not really obeying the Lord Jesus Christ and functioning in this fallen world as what Christ called us to function as, which is ambassadors for Jesus Christ, ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And that's a high calling. If you're a a worldly ambassador, let's say, from America, and you're going to be an ambassador in China or Russia or Cuba, nations that have potential hostility towards the United States of America, it's expected of you that you don't you don't abuse your position as an ambassador. It's expected of you that you're going to represent your nation and your nation's values and interests at the highest operating level possible. That's a valid expectation. And if you're the kind of ambassador that we've sent out around the world lately, ambassadors for America who are crackheads, pedophiles, drug addicts, belong to criminal families, cut outrageously illegal and dangerous deals uh, pretending to help our country. They cut deals which supply our most ardent enemies with hundreds of million dollars of cash dropped by 
private military jet into uh, locations throughout Europe and the Middle East. Our so-called enemies, these people, these ambassadors are traitors, and so they fly using military jets, enormous stacks of cash that equal hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. They give them weaponry, our advanced technological weaponry. They give them everything, okay? They, 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 they perpetually sell out America. Now, that's not a good ambassador. But in addition to that, we have some ambassadors who, because of their personal failure, are unable to uh, rule over their own spirits and temperament. Wherever they go, they, they function as buffoons, and they, they hurt the United States of America. These are not faithful ambassadors. But we have the same tension, the same dynamic, the same problem within uh, what could be called biblical Christian circles. We have some people who conduct themselves with the utmost integrity and intelligence and grace and wisdom. And these ambassadors who conduct themselves with the utmost kingdom wisdom represent Jesus, represent you and I and the kingdom of God in an excellent manner. And that, that is approved of by God and it's blessed by God. But unfortunately, we all know that we have a disturbingly noisy percentage of people who, who are ill-equipped to really function as faithful ambassadors of Jesus Christ and faithful ambassadors of the kingdom of God. They don't know how to speak to people. They have no people skills. They have no social skills. They have a compromised ideology. Uh, their greed, they serve their greed rather than the American people. They involve our nation and enrich themselves uh, through a plethora of illegal business deals that include uh, their, I'm talking about the crooked ambassadors, they being involved in the big drug cartel money. They being involved, these compromised ambassadors in the big cartel and clandestine covert sex trafficking industry, which has exceeded billions of dollars in the United States and around the world. So these corrupt and criminal ambassadors who, who are, are the offshoots of uh, criminal syndicate families in the United States, and the only reason they get away with it is because we have a compromised media that has been bought and paid for by the criminal cartels and the international crime families. And these, this, this corrupt media uh, covers up for them and, and hides from the American people the, the dirty, rotten, corrupt truth of what they're really up to. Okay, so let's put that on, on, on the shelf. You and I are called to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ, operating at the highest levels of intelligence, trustworthiness, candor, loyalty to the United States, loyalty to the American ideology, the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, etc. And you and I are called either interpersonally or as we're dealing with institutions or whatever, you and I are called to be faithful ambassadors of the kingdom of God and of Jesus Christ. And now let's put that on another tier in our level of shelves. So here we are in the time zone known as the last days, and there is an acceleration of global chaos. Now, this global chaos, as I've explained to you in meticulous, documented detail, this global chaos happens to be simultaneously the 
the formula, or what I refer to sarcastically as the secret sauce formula of these international criminal syndicate crime families and criminals and renegade government agencies and renegade political figures, etc. They abuse their power, they have co-opted their power, and they've basically run off the plantation. They've, they've run amok, and they're into highly dangerous criminal activities, pervasive lying, uh, strategic assassinations of political leaders around the world, the manipulation of our currency and other currencies in the international banking system. And the international banking system, make no mistake about it, the international banking system, which consists of things like the Federal Reserve Banks in the United States, which in actuality and truthfulness are not federal in any sense of the word. They are the, the money in the Federal Reserve Banking System is based on the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. It's supposed to be owned and controlled and managed by we the people. That's right. We the people are supposed to control our own money system. We the people voting through Congress and uh, other of our political institutions are supposed to be setting the interest rate. Uh, we're supposed to be uh, uh, managing things like inflation and depression and recession and other economic forces. They're not supposed to be just blowing in the wind or, or, or artificially created by secret clandestine and criminal international bankers, also known as the globalist elite or the uh, Luciferian elite. Our money supply, the dollar, its value and worth, are supposed to be controlled by we, the people, through voting and our political process. The fact of the matter is, from the day that this uh, corrupt system, the Federal Reserve Banking System, it was instituted, it was created, and it was established in the United States of America with the passage of the Federal Reserve Act between 1913 and 1914. The international bankers, and notice the operative word is, these bankers are international bankers. They don't represent national bankers or Americans. The international bankers and the international banks were created to represent the interests of bankers and billionaires and a globalist wealthy elite from many different nations. And so the ruse, the, the, the great heist, the con game, is to make the American people believe that the Federal Reserve System is indeed a monetary system that is controlled fairly by our um, Federal Reserve System. But when you look at the board, the people that own and control and rule the money system in the international banking system in America known as the Federal Reserve System, when the Federal Reserve Act was passed in 1914, this allowed the total infiltration, control, and domination of very, very super wealthy international banking families worth trillions and trillions of dollars or billions and billions of dollars. And these Illuminati bloodline families, and make no mistake about it, they are in part, in addition to their wealth, their, their supernatural wisdom and power, 
comes from their genealogy, their genetics. They, they are the genetic ancestors of the uh, Illuminati bloodline families. And the Illuminati bloodline families, they boast and claim that their DNA is not just human DNA. They boast that their DNA is a byproduct of the sexual relationships between the fallen angels and the demons and earthly women. And these earthly women, after they were impregnated by the, 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 the fallen angels, uh, produced a hybrid offspring whose corrupted DNA consisted of <clears throat> a mixture of uh, fallen angel DNA, uh, a mixture of demon DNA with human female DNA, which created a hybrid race, a genetically hybrid race whose DNA was composed of both human and non-human elements. And therefore, the non-human elements were the genetic code of the fallen angels and the demons, who possessed unusual uh, genetic qualities, such as very high levels of intelligence, a knowledge, uh, a very high level of knowledge of futuristic and science fiction-like technologies and sciences uh, that enabled them to build the legendary superstructures you see around the world. And this interbreeding produced uh, the, the race of the Nephilim and the Rephium. The Rephium and the Nephilim uh, contain the hybrid mixture of human-female DNA and fallen angel-demon DNA, along with the fact that when the first 200 fallen angels descended upon Mount Hermon, they, uh, they were fallen angels and they looked upon human women with uh, desire and sexual lust. They, they interbreeded with human women, uh, and their interbreeding or sexual relationships with human women produced a, a cursed hybrid race of fallen angels known as the Rephium and the Nephilim. And when they descended upon Mount Hermon, they bestowed upon mankind a massive amount of futuristic and science fiction-like technologies, sciences, medicines, supernatural powers, advanced mathematical understanding, how to apply and utilize things like black physics and scalar technology and so on and so forth. So they called themselves the Illuminati bloodline families, and they created an extension of the satanic religion of Lucifer and Satan. And the satanic religion of Lucifer and Satan, known as Satanism or Luciferianism, uh, these bloodline families made it a policy within their genetic tribes that they would only mate, they would only have sexual relations with those so-called humans or those beings or those entities whose DNA was um, infused with fallen angel DNA, and their blood contained the pure DNA of the fallen angels, and they became known as the Illuminati bloodline families. And because they, they made it strictly only within their own circles, even if that meant mating and breaking the laws of God and mating within your own, you know, family circle, like sons impregnating their mothers and fathers impregnating their daughters and uh, 
people mating with their aunts and relatives and cousins, all which were forbidden by God because there was the potential of genetic defects. But these fallen angels and the, the Illuminati, they, they violated the laws of God because they wanted to retain demonic genetic purity, so they only mated within their own family lines, producing a hybrid race, producing secret occultic societies that had access to secret occultic powers because the leaders of these clandestine groups were all part secretly of the Illuminati bloodline families, which brings us right up to today. The people that control the global economic system the one world government and the one world religion and the one world economic system, formerly called the New World Order, whose conceptualization began in ancient Babylon at the time of the Tower of Babel, because Nimrod himself was a hybrid mixture of human DNA and fallen angel DNA. And Nimrod had super intelligence and he built the Tower of Babel or Babel, which functioned. Uh, on a multiple of levels. First of all, the Tower of Babel was designed first and foremost very similar to the CERN complex. The Tower of Babel was designed to open interdimensional doorways or interdimensional portals, which allowed uh, demon human beings to pass through and come out of uh, like the spiritual dimension. And when they went through the portals or doors of the Tower of Babel, they would enter our Earth's physical dimension reality world. And again, they came with an advanced superpowers. They came with advanced technology. Uh, and they were on their way, Nimrod and his followers and the people of ancient Babylon following the mystery Babylon religion of the great <coughs> harlot or the great whore which stem from Nimrod's wife, whose name was Semiramis, and uh, Nimrod was named, among other things, Ra, and he eventually, uh, according to Semiramis, who, who just happened to be a madam uh, of a house of prostitution if you were traveling on your way to Babylon, and Semiramis was not only a prostitute, a whore, but she was the madam of a whorehouse on the way to ancient Babylon. And that's where uh, the historical records indicate that she got together with Nimrod and uh, produced a baby for Nimrod, a baby boy. Now, why that's important is the entire ancient mystery Babylon system, the portals of the uh, uh, Tower of Babel or Babel, the desire of the people to function as a mystical unity and all the science fiction-like and advanced technology that was created out of Mystery Babylon was passed on to the super-civilizations like ancient Egypt, what I call the Pharaoh-God-King system, the kings and queens of England, the Mayan and Incan rulers and their gigantic monuments which sacrifice people and babies. The, the Chinese gods, the Buddha, uh, and things of that nature. So this brings us up to today. Now remember, these secret occultic families 
going back to ancient Babylon, going back to ancient Egypt, going back to ancient Chaldea, and so on and so forth, going back perhaps to the legendary ancient super civilization known as Atlantis, if it, if it indeed existed, as the Greek philosopher Plato asserted that it did exist, um, it is possible that the, the, these uh, super civilizations that came from Atlantis and may have settled in places like the island of Thule off the coast of Europe and Germany, and then they allegedly uh, went deep underground uh, under the Arctic and under Antarctica and built super civilizations. And in fact, there have been allegations that very large disc-like flying saucers were buried under the ice. And this taps in to the Nazi legend and lore, because the Nazis believed now listen carefully, because this, this takes you right up to the nanosecond of what's happening in the Earth right now. The Nazis believed in a genetic master race, an advanced superior race. And the Nazis believed in these Nordic legends of blonde-haired, blue-eyed, super-intelligent men and women uh, popul- uh, who, who came out of uh, the Nordic regions and Sweden and so on. And according to the Nazi legends, these people genetically go back to the Viking races, but these people genetically, according to the Nazis, uh, they originally landed on planet Earth millions of years ago in giant giant UFOs, and they had all kinds of technology and and scientific discoveries that uh, we thought were, were merely futuristic and they didn't really exist. But the Nazis claimed that the technology of this advanced master race did exist. And so these people, when they heard that a great flood, which I believe was the flood of Noah, these Nazis <clears throat> believed that a great flood was about to drown the inhabitants of planet Earth and drown Atlantis, etc. So these, so the Nazi master race, these, this Nordic genetic god race, they went into Antarctica, traveled deep under Antarctica, uh, which where they allegedly discovered the land of the midnight sun. So, so they claimed to have discovered this blazing midnight sun and a super civilization, and they built a super civilization deep under the ice of Antarctica. Now, the, the Nazi scientists believed that the land of the midnight sun was created by these uh, travelers, master race travelers that came from another planet and landed on planet Earth and procreated with human women. When they discovered that the Earth was going to be submerged by a great flood, they, they, they left uh, the island of Thule, they, they left the areas in Europe where they settled, uh, they left many areas, and these essentially extraterrestrial civilization uh, migrated deep under the ice of Antarctica, where there were beautiful lakes and structures, and it was called the land of the midnight sun. The Nazi scientists harnessed the energy and power that was generated 24-7 deep under the ice. This energy and power 
was amazing, and the Nazis harnessed it. They called it the Vril Force, V-R-I-L. And the Vril Force could be used as a powerful weapon to destroy the enemies, but the Vril Force also had the power to impart genius-level scientific discoveries and inventions of technology. The Vril Force uh, could function as a healing uh, energy force that coupled with the right technology and the Vril Force itself tapping into specific frequencies of the Vril Force. It was thought to be an electromagnetic frequency healing technology that could do all kinds of amazing things. And this is why Hitler and the Nazis sent a massive secret underground fleet of super submarines to establish a a submarine base in Antarctica. And Hitler and the SS allegedly went there in in initial preparations to migrate. If If Hitler lost the war, he was going to bring his SS troops, himself and his wife and others. They were going to travel secretly via submarine, go down to South America, and then go down to uh, Antarctica and reestablish uh, the new world order that Hitler uh, dreamed of. <clears throat> he wanted to establish it deep under Antarctica. Now, what a lot of people don't know is there are a lot of blank holes in our historical record. Our historical record was designed to conceal things. The Nazi scientists and the occult secret parties like the Vril Society and the Thule Society and others, uh, and the Nazi SS scientists and Hitler, they not only sent scientists to find the secret of ancient Tibetan power, but they sent their scientists deep under Antarctica to explore and harness the Vril Force and things of that nature. And these became the super weapons that the Nazis had, and America and Britain and the Allies did not have. And so I I talk about, there's so much in this, man. And when you grasp the intensity of the truth that has been concealed from you, when you understand that during the Nuremberg trials, where they put all the Nazi leaders and the Nazi scientists, the Nazi mind control scientists, the Nazi MKUltra brainwashing scientists, the Nazi rocket scientists, the Nazi DNA genetic master race scientists, and the, the political leaders, they were put through a, tri- a series of trials known as the Nuremberg trials. And the goal was to arrest and apprehend all the Nazi scientists, all the Nazi military, all the Nazi SS leaders, all the Nazi generals, all the Nazi soldiers that were responsible for building, creating the concentration camps that were responsible for the horrific uh, tortures and human cruelty that were done under the the guise of calling them experiments, where the Nazi scientists uh, experimented on children and adults in the concentration camps, and these, these experiments were the most obscene, brutal, evil, torturous, brutal beyond the human imagination, what they did to their captives. And they were put on trial. But the Nazis ended World War II 
uh, with billions and billions of dollars of secret money. The billions and billions of dollars of secret money was smuggled into major mainstream banks around the world. And the powerful money that the Nazis had bought them political power, bought them safe passage to to nations and cities and remote locations in South America. It bought them all kinds of things. It also, the Nazi money and the billions, bought them uh, secret releases and secret pardons from being punished for war crimes at the Nuremberg trials. So you had lots of butcher-like Nazi scientists and Nazi leaders at the very highest levels, but they they escaped prosecution, they escaped jail, they escaped the death penalty, all of which they, they heartily deserved uh, because of their money and their secret global networks, which exist today. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and I'm going to open up for you on a tangible level the importance of understanding the reality of genetic modification and what that means to you today in in the era of COVID, the vaxes, uh, the DNA modification laboratories. I'm going to explain. I'm going to crack it open for you. And when you see the blazing truth of the level of criminality that is being conducted in the world right now, the only way you can have an authentic biblical third great awakening is you must have a revelation of the truth, not just the, the, the spiritual truth and the biblical truth. But you must have an adequate revelation of the way this world system works, the way this world system blinds people and maintains its power. You cannot defeat an enemy unless you know how that enemy functions, unless you know the weaknesses as well as the assets of that enemy. If you don't know that stuff, you're just playing games and you're going to get taken down very hard. Now, Bible-believing Christians have been put on planet Earth for a reason. Every one of us, and I've said this over and over again, and I'll never stop saying it, every one of us have been given a specific series of assignments or an assignment, a mission. We've been given a mission and an assignment and goals by God that God expects us to victoriously win the territory and land that those assignments represent. Do you understand me? I'm not playing games, but more importantly, God is not playing games. So Jesus told us to occupy or to rule the land that he has given us. We're to occupy and to rule the land that he has given us until Jesus Christ returns and finalizes and puts an end to this massive spiritual conflict between good and evil. In this interim time period, make no mistake about it, in this interim time period, we are in an all-out war between the forces of Satan and the forces of God. This all-out war is not just relegated to the spiritual dimensions or the spiritual world. This all-out war encompasses not only the spiritual at the highest levels of the supernatural, but this all-out war encompasses the categories and knowledge bases of things like genetics, DNA modification, nuclear power, biological warfare, vaxes, um, uh, directed energy beam weapons, advanced psychic powers, 
the the regaining of the Luciferian powers that were given to the Nazis and the Nazi leaders as they had both spiritual intercourse and sexual intercourse with the Vril Yah maidens, who were these attractive female uh, uh, clairvoyants and psychics that downloaded to the Nazi scientists and to the Nazi leadership. The Vril Yah maidens gave the Nazi scientists and the Nazi leadership detailed technical and scientific blueprints on how to build functional and operational uh, time machines, reverse gravity machines, reverse engineering technology, uh, UFO technology, Operation Blue Beam, advanced MKUltra scientific mind control technology, uh, nuclear technology, the death ray technology, and just these advanced technologies that that most of the world's scientists and militaries uh, couldn't couldn't quite believe it, but the, the Nazis believed it. And so they met secretly with these beautiful Vrilya maidens in a cafe in Vienna in 1926. And the Vrilya maidens, having lunch, coffee, and tea with these Nazi scientists and Nazi SS leaders, the Vrilya maidens began the process of teaching and educating the Nazi scientists and the Nazi leaders with how to build and develop their own advanced futuristic science fiction-like technologies, which would have given them the advantage, and they would have won World War II. And right now, instead of seeing an American flag with the stars and stripes uh, flying in our public squares, etc., there would be no American flag. We would be seeing a red and black and white Nazi flag with a big black Nazi swastika because they would have won the war. And let's remember that the swastika is a hardcore occultic symbol that can, the swastika can be seen uh, on the ancient statues of Buddha in Tibet and the Himalayas and India. There are many statues and paintings of Buddha where you can see the swastika on the Buddha or the swastika on the Buddha in Tibet. Now, there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. And in addition to that, the Vrilya maidens <clears throat> downloaded psychic technology known as black physics, um, the ability to read minds, telepathic warfare, remote viewing, and how to download highly advanced futuristic mathematics, black physics, the principles of advanced psychic power, the principles of how to harness the real force, um, how to use clairvoyant powers, uh, and how to unleash and weaponize both on the psychic level and the the military technology level, how to unleash the powers of the Vril Force, which the, the Nazis claim they encountered the Vril Force full blast when they went into the depths of Antarctica and they entered the land of the Midnight Sun. You may remember an old, old movie. Maybe you don't, I don't know. But in this old, old movie, and it was a big-budget movie in its time, and it was released by a major studio in its time, 
And it starred Pat Boone, a famous actor who became a Christian. Pat Boone is a friend of mine. Pat Boone uh, has ordered, you know, large quantities of my books, like um, <clears throat> A Prophecy of the Future of America and uh, The Day the Dollar Died. Pat Boone has ordered large quantities of those books to circulate among the big movie stars and the big directors in Hollywood, kind of semi-secretly. He uses my books as, as some people would use, you know, missionary tracks or tracks. Pat Boone buys quantities of my books, and he, he uses them as like more sophisticated, more high-intensity uh, gospel tracks because it, it talks about stuff that, that engages the minds of the, the stars and the directors and the movers and shakers in Hollywood. And uh, so initially, his agent contacted me. I met with his agent. Uh, agent. I uh, spent time with Pat Boone and Troy Anderson. We were hanging out together at some big Hollywood uh, Christian movie family movie awards gala celebration I, that was held at a major hotel on Universal Studios. It was the Universal Hilton, and we were all hanging out together. And uh, there's other stories I can tell, but that would break my you know, you, certain things you can't talk about or you're breaking the confidence of the person that's sharing it to you. In any case, pray over those books. I have a lot of people in Hollywood, in the scientific community, scientists, um, scientists in some esoteric fields, um, Navy SEALs, super soldiers, um, one of the world's, well, I'm not saying this is a boast, because part of me is in anguish when I talk about it, but <clears throat> there was a, a man who was the one of the highest, well, he was the second highest ranking Satanist in the Church of Satan under Anton LaVey, who was the founder and the head of the Church of Satan. This same man also rose to power and prominence in the U.S. military, and he became like the second-in-command of one of the largest military uh, divisions in our armed forces. And he was openly a member of the Church of Satan at the time. And he, uh, he uh, began reading my books and my articles and, and, and listening to interviews that I did on the occult, the Nazis, the power of God, the, 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 the you know, satanic power and all that stuff. And because I possessed a high level of understanding about this stuff, he he contacted me and communicated with me, and he just happened to be the second highest ranking military office in the I think it was the NSA, uh, and he was essentially the head of the psychological warfare division. And so his one of his primary areas of expertise is he was one of the world's foremost authorities and experts on psychological warfare and psychic warfare. And so we talked. He knew that, that my belief system was archetypically different than his, but we still talked. I'm sure it was his desire to, 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 to have me sell my soul to Satan. Simultaneously, my desire was to win him to the Lord Jesus Christ. In any case, my books have been used by the Lord, and I'm very thankful about this, to penetrate various kingdoms of power on earth, like the entertainment industry, like 
politics, like the mainstream media, <clears throat> the military, the armed forces, and so on and so forth. So pray over those books because they're 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 powerful door openers. Okay, he understood all this, by the way. He himself went to this, and and by the way, everything I'm talking about, I explain in far more detail in my books, like A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2, The Day the Dollar Died, uh, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World, um, Power from on High, uh, Are You Ready? Um, the Babylon Code I wrote with Troy Anderson, Tropocalypse I wrote with Troy Anderson, and other books. And they'll blow your mind, I promise you. They're not boring books, but more importantly, they will download into you in an accelerated modality, a, an accelerated understanding of true biblical Christianity as true in, uh, integrated spiritual Christianity should be penetrating with its light and truth every uh, kingdom of darkness on planet Earth. The kingdom of God, the power of Jesus Christ, the power of on high, operating in the lives of true believers. There should be. Now, I've, 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 I've dedicated my life on this premise. It's taken me my entire life to grow or evolve. I have problems with the word evolve, but to grow or evolve into a higher level of understanding about how to receive, appropriate, harness the infinite supernatural power of God. Um, and, and you could talk about that in terms, which I talk about it in my book, Power from on High, which I said the other day, which is true. I have people ordering multiple copies of this book and buying it for their friends to read because they have friends that they know power from on high will will slip under the radar screen and, and touch their hearts and minds like no other book can. And they know that my other books, by God's grace, have the, capa- have the capacity to break through the walls of bias and prejudice against the Bible and win people to Jesus Christ. And so uh, this... Uh, Interaction between me and, and one of the highest level Satanists in the world, who also happened to be the head of PSYOPs, I believe it was for, it was either the U.S. military or it was the NSA, I can't remember which. And he was the highest ranking officer in charge of PSYOPs or psychological warfare, which, by, which, which all my books go into. Okay. And one thing I'm not going to talk very much about for, for obvious reasons, but I will just gently tiptoe in it for just a, a second. Because of the grace of God, I was able to get in at the very beginning of the Internet. I wouldn't say I didn't get in at the very, very, very first wave that nobody really knows about except certain insiders. Um, Al Gore was not one of them. But there was that first secret wave of the Internet, which was developed by military and, and DARPA and computer scientists. No, I didn't get in on that. I don't know anybody who did, personally. And I didn't get in on the second wave, which is where a very small percentage of on, entrepreneurs and scientists and communications people 
began to uh, delve into the, the internet and the advent of social media to to bypass you know the Berlin walls of mental slavery erected in the institutions of our society that function as gatekeepers and barriers and strongholds deliberately designed to lock us into what Orwell called, no, which what Alice Huxley called the concentration camp of the mind. Now, I, I learned from a number of these people who were in that, what could publicly be called the first wave. And one of these guys was uh, Chuck Misler, famous computer scientist, high-flying businessman that worked with certain agencies that, that he never really talks about. And we became friends. I became friends with Chuck Misler, his wife. They were all regular guests on my daily radio show for over 10 years. Oh, no, over, far over 10 years, probably 15 years. And I remember when the very first people had, you know, Internet access, there was a very small percentage of the American public. But as I was surfing around the Internet, I would run into Chuck Misler. Nobody else but Chuck Misler. And then that's in the days of Art Bell, the, the radio cutting-edge radio talk show host, he was out there in the Internet. And I noticed there was just a handful of Internet pioneers, especially Chuck Misler, that, that were out there. Uh, it was like discovering the wild, wild west and panning for gold. And so before that first wave where Chuck Misler and Art Bell and stuff were doing the Internet, before the tide of that first wave end, end, uh, ended, you know, I was no computer expert. I'm not claiming to be at all. But, you know, I saw what Chuck was doing. I saw what Art Bell was doing. And so I, I entered the Internet wave probably towards the end of that first wave. And then at the start of the second wave, where it was still percentage-wise, a, a, a small, a very small percentage or a small percentage of the American public even knew what the internet or social media was. And so, because I got in on this gold rush, like when they had the California gold rush and people came out there to find gold, since I got in on the so-called metaphor of the California gold rush or the California Silicon Valley uh, chip rush of the internet, I, I benefited, not so much financially, but I benefited in launching an outreach where I could proclaim my message in video and articles and television. I could buy endless websites like, like PaulMcGuire.org, PaulMcGuire.com, PaulMcGuire.us, and with no competition, because there was nobody with that name even knew what that was. And so I was able to launch relatively easily, because at that time, Essentially, there was, at that time, there was no censorship or rigging of the Internet like there is today. Uh, there were no, uh, you know, trolls. There were no trained operatives that, that sneak in and try to demonize you and marginalize you and bring you down. They didn't exist. They didn't even, those people eventually got employment, but at that time, they didn't even know that the Internet was there. They didn't even know that there was an Internet battlefield in the information war. And another person early on, whether you like him or not, were people like, uh, like I said, Chuck Misler, who became a friend, Art Bell, and I was on his show a bunch of times. Uh, let's see, who else? In the, in the, oh, 
uh, Alex Jones, whether you like him or not, he was one of the first people out there in, in, in the same wave that I was in. Now, now, Alex Jones, I don't know where he received his funding, but he he landed with a with a seismic impact. I had tremendous impact too, but I didn't. I wasn't being bankrolled. I don't know who was bankrolling him, but he did a good job. And then there was this guy from England, or the Isle of Wight. And I don't agree with everything that he says. So let me be perfectly, uh, you know, perfectly transparent about that. I'm going to mention his name. I agree with a lot of things he says. I agree with a lot of his analysis. But there are certain areas that I don't agree. Okay, so I want to make that clear. However, to his credit, and the guy's name was David Ike. David Ike was in that same latter part of the first wave of internet and the beginning of the second wave. And and, and it became a monstrous, I mean that in a good sense, a monstrous internet presence, as did others. Okay, so having said that, when I would write articles, I would write articles for, for websites like News with Views, but, but I would write articles for these very, very influential conservative or Christian or libertarian websites. And I received an enormous response. At that time, I was not being censored. I was not being attacked. I was not being rigged. But I was reaching a ton of people and at the same time being on programs like Doug Hagman. Uh, and then in terms of mainstream media, I was, you know, on Fox News constantly for over, for over 10 years, the biggest shows. CNN, the biggest biggest shows before CNN went berserk, and before Fox News co-opted itself. Okay, so so what I'm trying to point out is everywhere I went, I had tremendous impact, way way beyond what I should have had in terms of the amount of money that I was spending. I'm not a rich person. I wasn't a rich person, but I was getting an internet impact as if I was a uh, you know worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Why? There was no censorship at that time, or little. There was no rigging. It was a fair, it was a basically somewhat fair and open playing field with all this, without all the hidden manipulation. You didn't have at that time the Facebooks and the Googles threatening to take you down and taking you down every time you, you know, say the word air. So, so God blessed that. And also I had an early policy really early in the infancy of my inner... See, what I did is I bought a URL. I bought multiple URLs way, way back. It was like buying territory where you knew there'd be gold. So I had PaulMcGuire.com. I had PaulMcGuire.us. I had, you know, PaulMcGuire this, PaulMcGuire this, and then other websites. And so because there were no counterfeits and there were no internet attacks, all the stuff that I produced, and I'm, there's no exaggeration here, it's a fact, would reach tens of millions of people on a regular basis. Now, I was very thankful for that, and I, I, I was very faithful with that. But then, as the internet battle started to rage, and the, the intelligence agencies began to penetrate and, and attack and bring down and co-opt conservative social media people, and Christian social media people uh, and and radical organizations financed by billionaires were attacking us, creating bots and everything. 
as that began, before it solidified, one day I discovered something. Now, I should have discovered it. It's my fault. I should have discovered it years before, but I didn't. I discovered I was under the misconception that all these very influential websites that were publishing my articles, which I, I gave them for free, you see, because my goal was to win people to Christ and spread truth. My goal was not to make money. And, and, and it's the same today. I give every, everything away for free except what I absolutely need to make money on to, to stay afloat. But my goal has never been money. So I, I made all my articles, which were written in a style that, you know, it just was a super magnet for people. They, they loved it because I wrote in a high-tech, psychedelic, Holy Spirit, rock and roll download. Okay? If you don't understand it, well, let's just put it this way. It's the secret sauce formula that caused us to rock and reach millions. So in any case, I discovered, I'd be, I, oh, the New York Times and the Washington Post and all these CIA-funded media secretly, they're attacking me left and right. And then in the article, they list some of these conservative websites that have been publishing my stuff. They list uh, uh, the libertarian groups, the Christian groups that have been publishing my stuff. and then. They listed the amount of viewers and readers and watchers and followers that these sites had. And, I, and it was like, a, you know, being hit by an avalanche because I looked every one of them up. And, and, and these media sites, I was under the false impression that they were small, tiny, family-run type operations with one or five employees at most. And maybe they reached, you know, a regular... 50,000 people every couple of months or something. It was nice, it was healthy, but it wasn't going to set the world on fire. What I found out, and I was shocked, it was like being hit by lightning. What I found out was, as I went down the list of all these independent, outside the mainstream media groups that were publishing my videos, publishing my articles, publishing experts of my books, promoting what I was doing, I discovered that on a monthly basis, that all of these sites that I looked up were reaching millions and millions of people. I'm talking about like 11 million every month, or 2 million every month, or 500,000 every month, or in some cases, 24 million a month. Not to mention, if you added up all those numbers into an annual amount of viewers and readers and watchers and followers. So, I mean, it's like I was waking up from a delusion. I was laboring hard. I was being faithful to preach the gospel in season and out of season. But I was stunned to, to discover that I wasn't reaching the small you know, audience that I thought I was. I was reaching a massive mega audience that allowed me to reach or share my testimony with, on a, on a, on a, let's just pick a number, a conservative number, on an average monthly basis of 11 million people or maybe an average annual basis of, let's say, 36 million people. And you could go down from there, but even if you went down, it was still, still in excess. Even in a worst-case scenario, it was always in excess of a million people. And I was spreading like wildfire, but more important, I was able, and this is what I deliberately prayed to God to do. I didn't ask God for the credit. I asked God to give me a strategy and to bless it, that could change the direction America was heading into. 
And so by the grace of God, I was able to seed into the national consciousness via these internet sites that were reaching 11 million people or 36 million people annually, which I didn't know at the time. They were, in effect, my partners in seeding the American population or the American consciousness with a rebirth of vision for America in terms of the Bill of Rights in the Constitution, exposing the dangers of transhumanism, globalism, Luciferianism, uh, and things of that nature, exposing the, the orchestrated plan for a global government, a one-world currency, a one-world economic system, and a one-world religion, ex- exposing the Luciferian elite. I exposed and inserted into the national consciousness a massive download through, through partnering with these sites that I didn't, didn't know had so much firepower. And so, on the most conservative basis, I could right now give you, as a bare minimum, a, at least a hundred different specific category names, and at least a minimum of a hundred specific different topic or subject names that were basically not, not in the top of the mind of the average American, the average people, and even the people on the internet. So what I'm trying to tell you is God bless me because I wasn't asking him for the credit. I wasn't asking him for the money. That was what Solomon did, and I imitated it. I asked God for the ability and strategy to seed the minds of the American people with critical, red-hot critical categories of information and concern that they had minimal, little, or marginal awareness of and how dangerous it was. In other words, this would be the precursor to a third great awakening, which I also was seeding. Now, what you have to understand was that because the field was wide open, there was no censorship, no rigging, no no diversion, no no internet attacks and the whole thing. Whenever I planted a seed, it would go viral. Why? Because there weren't, like there is today, there's like 5,000 people who just got into the internet field and have begun podcasting on any given subject. I thank God for that. They're a direct result of my seeding. But it makes it harder for anyone, including them, to reach the massive numbers of people. The numbers of people that I was reaching was vastly exceeding the the numbers that CNN and, and Fox News in their good days were attracting. And so, um, I put into the national consciousness all kinds of con- uh, concepts and ideas that they didn't have beforehand. I don't get credit for it. I'm not looking for credit for it. But, but I'll give you some ideas. Terms like the Luciferian elite, I created, promoted, and first seeded into the internet consciousness. So one, one term would be the Luciferian elite. Another term would be the Pharaoh God King system. Expanded understanding and enhanced understanding of the money system and how the money system is just is not only an illusion, it's an occultic system that goes back to Mystery Babylon. The explosive awareness of that, I seeded. I seeded the explosive awareness of the Frankfurt School Marxists and the literal communist Marxist invasion of our educational system, our major institutions, the role. This this term was known. 
uh, manufactured crisis, but I was the first to seed the consciousness with the understanding that the full spectrum understanding of manufactured crisis is to understand manufactured crisis as an ancient Babylonian occultic principle that was first known as um, manufactured chaos or new world order out of chaos. You see, I was the first writer, author, thinker out there who was seeding in, in a rocket fire manner and seeding in a uh, in a high-powered manner the linkage, the direct linkage of all kinds of concepts that, yes, they had already heard of, like manufacturing crisis, communism and stuff. But I was the first person to take those uh, understandable and applicable categories and bring it to an entirely much higher level of understanding. So I was the first person to, on a global and a mass internet level, see the American consciousness with the all-important revelation slash understanding of how Luciferian power, occult power, psychic power, demonic power, Illuminati bloodline families, etc., etc., and so on and so on, were directly connected to concepts like um, uh, concepts like order out of chaos, or I, I, you know, I was obviously not the first person to translate from Latin the words nuvos order seclorum on the base of the pyramid, which means new world order or new order of ages, a new order of the ages. But I was the first person to mainstream a a paradigm shift understanding of how this system, the system of chaos and order out of chaos, first implemented by by Dr. John D. and the uh, the, head, the former head of the Rosicrucians, uh, who founded helped found the Rosicrucians, and he was the father of the scientific method. You see, there were massive holes in the understanding of the American consciousness by that by the grace of God, I was to I was able to, by God's grace, wisdom and strategy, create and build neurological bridges inside the human consciousness and inside the human mind that would effectively bridge the gap in millions of people's minds. It would bridge the gap from esoteric or peripheral, once peripheral concepts like manufactured crisis, the Frankfurt Socialists, order out of chaos, etc., etc. I was the first person to, to use the neurological science of seeding the internet with neurological links and cybernetic computer links that would connect various once perceived as diverse and different areas of knowledge. And I would link them together neurologically and cybernetically. So people came into a successive awareness, because of my work, of the linkage between the New World Order depicted in ancient Babylon at the time of the Tower of Babel, and that meant the Tower of Babel created the first one-world economic system, one-world religion, and one-world uh, government under Nimrod. And, and, and some people knew that. Most people didn't even know that. Most Christians still don't even know that. But I created a neurological link or a learning link, as well as a cybernetic computer link, 
between the fact that ancient Babylon was the world's first embodiment of the New World Order, and it was a Luciferian society. I was the first person to link that to the occult principle of order out of chaos and New World Order out of chaos. And, and so I expanded, I, I greatly expanded the understanding and the revelation of these once formally diverse and compartmentalized fields of study and understanding. I, I joined them together into a unified whole of understanding. And once I joined them together in a unified whole of understanding, it was like the electrical current of truth and understanding exploded and penetrated uh, the areas of the human mind and the mass consciousness, or what you could call the collective consciousness of America. And so I was able to do this over and over and over again. And so all, all an entirely new vocabulary by God's grace, I was able to invent and insert and, in fact, seed into the national consciousness. You hear it everywhere. I hear it everywhere every time I turn on a podcast or read an article or whatever. I mean, even in the Epic Times article that I read the other day, big article, big photos, and, and a very well-written article, by the way. And the title of the article was The Day the Dollar Dies, and it included all kinds of the downloaded for free information that I put and seeded onto the internet that came from my book, The Day the Dollar Died. So, so their article, which borrowed heavily from my book, The Day the Dollar Died, their article was entitled, entitled The Day the Dollar Dies. Now, I don't care who gets the credit. They ran with it, and they've reached a lot of people. So a lot of people who perhaps may never have read my book, The Day the, Day the Dollar Died, are reading the article in their paper called The Day the Dollar Dies. So again, I'm seeding the national consciousness. And so after seeding the national consciousness, intentionally and strategically, for over 10 years, when the internet was still free, that's the key, that's the key right there. Okay, I was able to reach, you know, somewhere, I could give you the number that I really think, but I would rather I would rather vastly reduce my numerical estimation and retain my credibility before you than give you the actual numbers of people that vastly surpasses the numbers I'm reporting to you because the impact we had was massively greater than I'm quoting. So I'm faced with a decision. I can tell you the more realistic numbers, which are massively larger numerically, and the numbers of people reached that, that I've been sharing with you. But then I risk losing my credibility before you and others, because you'll say, oh, no, it's impossible. He's got to be making it up. There's no way he's going to reach that many people. I'm sorry. Sorry you don't understand that. But, okay, I'll, I'll play that game with you, and I will submit temporarily to an artificial, uh, an artificial est estimate of how many people I reached. Because this artificial estimate will, in most people's eyes, be a far more credible numerical estimate. And it will be far easier for them to believe that if I artificially reduce the actual numbers of people reached. And even with a massive reduction in the numbers of people reached, actually reached, even after I massively reduced it to, to maintain credibility, 
I'll still have a ton of people who can't even believe the reduced <laughs> numbers. You understand what I'm saying? Because they've never been where I've been. They've never been uh, from that vantage point and perspective. Okay, so the point is we all get assignments at different periods of time in our lives. This was a time and season. I didn't know that the Internet would be shut down as quickly as it has. I'm under attack, and many other truth-tellers are under attack constantly in countless different ways. All right? We're demonized. We're marginalized. We're, I mean, there are the, the, pe- the people I know that are telling the most truth, and the, the people that I know that are telling the most truth the most effectively are always the ones on, under the most attack. So, without naming names, this one particular individual who is very knowledgeable and reliable has been breaking very courageously all kinds of truth onto the internet on a regular basis. Now, because he's been so brave and so effective, when I try to to type him up on a search engine or a social media platform or, or any number of ways, everything will shut down. I will not be able to connect to his videos to his information. It's, it's like interrupted. And it's blatantly obvious that because he's telling so much truth that they're trying to shut him down through electronic harassment, et cetera, et cetera. And when you try to do what you would normally do uh, to connect with a, a video or a platform on the internet, it crashes. It shuts down. Now, so in the same time period, I experimented and I typed in my name, Paul McGuire. And I discovered that my internet had been crashed. Uh, people's ability to connect to my videos had been impacted, marginalized, assaulted with bots, with rigging, with electronic assault. So that so what the name of the game is you don't really totally censor truth tellers. You create an electronic environment where it becomes such a headache, such an ongoing harassment. For the average person to try to connect to a truth teller, that they basically give up. And that's what the people who are waging war against us want. They want you to give up trying to connect after they harass the truth tellers. And, and it's not just me and this person. I have seen this over and over and over again. And I could name a whole list of names of people you know and trust who are committed, faithful truth tellers. And they're constantly under assault and electronic harassment. This is, wake up, this is the nature of the war we're in. It's an information war. They want to stop the flow of information because they can only rule over the masses. The Great Reset can only prevail because remember, despite what they're telling you, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you loud and clear, the Great Reset is nothing more than the New World Order which is a one-world government, a one-world religion, and a one-world economic system, the Great Reset is nothing more than a new world order under a new brand name called the Great Reset. And they are waging an all-out electronic war uh, against anybody that would expose who they really are. And I'm one of the people who exposes who they really are and what their real agenda is. And make no mistake about it. You, you better wake up. I'm not, I'm not being mean here. I'm telling you the truth. You, if you're a committed Christian and believe in the Bible and believe in Jesus Christ, if you are a truth teller and you 
want to know the facts regarding medicine, medical procedures, vaccines, pandemics, if you want to know the truth about the economy, if you want to know the truth about war uh, or religion or Jesus Christ in the Bible, if you're looking for the truth in any area, you are, have been profiled for decades. And you are, I don't know to what degree, but you are not on their good boy or good girl list. Let's just put it that way. They would rather artificially inflate the numbers of radical communists, radical Marxists, the Great Reset. They would rather empower, finance, promote, and at the same time harass truth tellers. Because they have already revealed themselves to be. Whoever, whatever organization they actually represent, whatever group or organization or secret society they, they are part of, they have revealed who they really are. They have revealed what their real goals are. They have revealed what their true global agenda is by the fruit that they bear, by their actions. So when you see hundreds of millions of people dying all across planet Earth from strange diseases, weakened immune systems, cardiovascular events, and medical doctors are alleging that there's a direct connection, allegedly, by these medical researchers, between the massive increase of reduced immune systems, of cardiovascular events, of not being able to get pregnant, etc., etc., the medical researchers, the medical science is revealing that there's a direct relationship between the detrimental effects of what is happening in people's bodies, their health status, and whether or not they were vaccinated and got the boosters. Um, and they don't want you to know that. They don't want you to know the truth because the truth indicts them. So, so that's an important area. If you don't think that's important, then may I suggest politely that you need a psychiatrist because you're clinically crazy. I pray that this will not happen to you. I pray with all my heart and mind that this will not happen to you. But if it does, and you're alive and you witness the, the fallout of the people that you know that got the vaccine, that got the boosters, that are taking other vaccines, that are ingesting a whole spectrum of toxins in our water supply, in our food supply, that are absor absorbing death ray-like toxins in the form of 5G electromagnetic frequency waves, which really can kill people and fry your mind and stuff like that. When, if you have been in denial or have refused to look at the truthfulness of what these medical researchers assert, and if you happen to be alive and then you see what happens to people you know that put themselves and their loved ones in harm's way because of not dealing with 5G, not dealing with the vaccination, not dealing with the toxins, not dealing with uh, all the attacks on your biological and psychological system, and then you see, like, the people are seeing these perfectly healthy male athletes in the prime of their life in, in super top physical condition, and they're dropping dead on, on the various playing fields across the world in America, it, it, and, and the mainstream media is covering up, but you've seen them drop dead. 
You've heard the reports of all the male airline pilots supposedly in the top of their physical shape, and they're dropping dead, um, you know, in and around the cabin time when they're flying these, these giant jets across the nation. But there's an epidemic of dying jet pilots. Why? Why? And you're not asking questions. And, and you're so intoxicated because you can download and watch movies faster, I suppose. Uh, but you're ignoring the fact that the 5G frequencies are composed, many of them are composed with kill frequencies, disease frequencies, mental illness frequencies, premature aging frequencies, uh, fertility blocking frequencies. So, you, 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 you know, you want to be accepted and blah, 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 blah. I get that. but. Sooner or later, you're going to pay the piper. And so when you're looking into the eyes of a loved one, and they're dying, and you know blanking well that they shouldn't be dying, that, this, that, that you're watching them die, you're watching them age, you're watching them rot, you're watching them drop dead in all these myriad different ways, and you know that they were health nuts, they were in good shape, uh, they exercised, and there's no rational reason that they should be dying. And you're looking in the eyes of this loved one, and they're dying way before their time. And yet, it, you're, you're secretly haunted by the fact and reality that you know, even if nobody else knows, that they that potentially, you know, they took the vaccine, they, they allowed the toxins in, they, they, they had un, unprotected exposure to 5G technology and all the other stuff that's out there. Or you, you know, you, you looked at those chemtrails. And you knew they were talking. Even look at them, man. I was planting fruit trees in my backyard to grow organic fruit. I didn't calculate on the fact that every day, multiple times a day in, in Southern California, I have jets flying over my house and neighborhood, which are spraying out massive chemtrails. And the chemtrails, after an hour or so, spread out into clouds and stuff. Now, I know very clearly the physical. Uh, the physical look of a artificial chemtrail being sprayed from a jet and the completely different physical look of normal jet exhaust being released from a commercial commercial jet flying into Burbank Burbank Airport or flying into LAX airport. There's a difference in the speed of the jet, how high and low the jet is flying, and there's definitely a massive difference in the physical look of the so-called exhaust that comes out of a, of a regular commercial jet with passengers versus the regular flying of chemtrail exhaust jets that are deliberately spraying uh, chemtrail, uh, chemtrail gas exhaust or whatever you want to call it, chemicals. What comes out of the tail what comes out of the tail of the jets looks completely different. And the after effects are completely different. You'd have to be a certifiable moron to say, oh well, they look the same. You'd have to be a certifiable idiot to not be able to tell the difference between chemtrail exhaust from jets and and passenger jet plane uh, normal travel exhaust. They're, they look entirely different, and, and most importantly, when a, a, plane, a jet flies over your home area that's playing jet exhaust because it's a commercial jet, 
the, the, the exhaust disperses, listen to the words, into nothingness. The exhaust disperses into basically nothingness. It, it goes away. There's nothing really left over if it's a normal commercial jet exhaust. In contrast, when a chemtrail jet flies over you and it disperses its chemtrail smoke, fumes, exhaust, the chemtrail exhaust will, will spew out like pencil, thin pencil lines or crisscross pencil lines. And, and the pencil line composition of the exhaust will hang there for about 15 minutes. And then after about 15 minutes, the pencil line type of uh, uh, chemtrail exhaust, it will, it will disperse after about 15 minutes, and it will disperse so widely that it will add layer after layer of, of what essentially is polluted sky. So instead of the pencil lines, the pencil lines will morph or change or transform into a massive, it looks like almost a thin cloud covering, or it looks like a smog covering, but it will cover hundreds of square miles in the sky, blocking out the sun and doing all kinds of after-effect things. Okay? So I've watched this for years from my backyard, and it's, it's, it's obvious, again, and because I've spoken in just about every state in the United States, and in many states I've gone there multiple times to speak at conferences and churches and whatever, wherever I've traveled, whether it's in the middle of nowhere or it's in the, in the middle of a big city, I can tell you firsthand that I have seen the chemtrail jets spread their nasty, toxic chemtrails every place. Because oftentimes I'll jog when I get up. I have seen them spray the chemtrail. Uh, Toxic stuff everywhere, in the most obscure places, in the most re remote places that you would never think they would waste the money to spray chemtrails, or in metropolitan areas. And there has never been a state or place that I have gone to where I did not see jets flying overhead dispersing chemtrails. I remember one time I was speaking at a church in Connecticut, which is a sophisticated city on the East Coast, as you know. And I went, it was, it was ice cold, there was icy snow on the ground. I had to speak and minister to a, a congregation of, I don't know, about 500 people or more. And I remember this distinctly because this was the church where the, the you know, rock pop star icon, Donna Summer, you know, the disco queen, uh, she went to this church every Sunday. And she went to the church, specifically that Sunday, to hear me preach and minister. And she had her two children with her. One was a boy, I believe, and one was a girl. And they were, you know, I don't know, in their preteens, I'm guessing. And so I, I, I called people to come forward for prayer. Prior to the prayer, the pastor came up to me and said, you know, we thank God that you came. Uh, he knew that Pastor Jack Hayford was, was my spiritual father. And so he looked me in the eye, and I was surprised by what he said, but he said, thank God that you came. We really needed to experience the revival that you brought with you when you came to minister to us. So then he gives me a big hug and says, I want to thank you for bringing revival. And then he named his church for bringing us revival. And I was, you know, I was humbled by that because I knew God was moving. I was thankful that God was moving through, through the message that I gave. But to me, 
I don't want to say, to me, I was regularly ministering and operating in that level of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I attribute that to the fact that I was a committed member of Church on the Way under Jack Hayward. So my regular spiritual atmosphere that I was bathing in on a continual basis was one of a biblical, uh, authentic revival. So, so that was my normal Christian experience, was to move and walk and minister in uh, a biblical revival, which Jack Hayford stewarded at the Church of the Way for decades. So anyway, I was, I was gratified, because when you're ministering, you, you, you want to hear feedback that God moved. <clears throat> but I didn't realize how, how strongly the power of God came down. And Donna Summer was the first person, the disco queen, to come forward, along with her children, for prayer. And they knelt, you know, uh, some churches you kneel at like a prayer altar. And then, you know, hundreds of people came forward for prayer. I prayed for every person personally. And I prayed for Donna Summer, and I prayed for her two children. And I knew something about the woundedness she had experienced and the spiritual attacks she had experienced. And plus, there were some personal things, not due to her sinfulness or due to her fault, but there were some personal things that I, I don't feel free sharing that, that constituted a spiritual attack against her and her children. So you could tell that she was spiritually weary of the spiritual battle that she was in. So when I lay hands to pray for her, my, my common practice is I lay my hand on the forehead or the top of the head of the person I'm praying for. I, sometimes I don't touch them at all. Sometimes I deliberately leave like a three inch or a one foot or two foot distance between the palm of my hand and the individual. Sometimes, and many times in recent years, I will deliberately leave a space because when the power of God, when the anointing of God moves through me and ministers and touches the person that I'm praying for or fills or heals or delivers the person I'm praying for, I don't want to give the enemies of the gospel any excuse to be able to say that I manipulated it. And I don't encourage, by the way, people to, to fall out under the Spirit. And the reason I don't encourage it is it, it ends up becoming like a circus-like thing where, where everybody's attention is focused on whether or not they're going to be falling out in the Spirit. And it turns, it can easily turn a legitimate move of God into kind of a Christian charismatic circus theater. You know what I'm saying? So I don't generally encourage it because it, the devil uses it as a diversion, and people falsely measure authentic spiritual power and legitimacy in your ministry. They equate it with whether or not people were slain in the Spirit, and I don't agree with that at all. Anybody can be slain in the Spirit, and I don't think it takes some you know, exceptional anointing to be a channel with which God uses. Okay, so so I don't encourage it, because the gospel and winning souls for Christ is first and foremost. And also I don't encourage it, because I don't want non-believers, skeptics, and backslidden Christians to look upon what's going on in the service or ministry and then make a snap negative judgment of rejection, because they see people being prayed for and falling down uh, under the power of the Holy Spirit. To a lot of people, to a lot of thinking and intelligent people who might otherwise normally come to Jesus as their Lord and Savior, if they see people being slain in the Spirit, 
that's a big turnoff to them. And they will just outright reject it as nutty, quacky, crazy town. So I don't want to, to contribute to that false perception, which actually, I believe, it drives more people away from Christ than people think are drawn to Christ by, by seeing people fall out in spirit. Okay. Now, having said that, even though I don't encourage it, I cannot control every person's behavior that I pray for. It's impossible. So, so, so I got into the practice of not physically touching the people and keeping a distance between my hand, the palm of my hand, and their forehead, etc. The reason I cultivated a distance, a physical distance, that way nobody could falsely accuse me of pushing on somebody or pushing on somebody or pushing on them so they fall over and, quote, fall, and it's called falling under the power of the Holy Spirit. So I deliberately don't touch them, keep my hand a healthy distance from them physically, so there's no, fault, there's no substance for false accusations. Nobody can say, oh, I saw him. He shoved that person, and they fell down under the power of the Holy Spirit. Baloney. I didn't even touch the person. And so that's really my routine. I don't touch people anymore because of that problem. Now, having said that, when I pray for people and don't touch them, and even when I used to touch them, I never, ever one time pushed anybody to be slain in the Spirit, nor did I promote it. Okay? I can't help if somebody uh, falls out into the power of God. I'm not manipulating them with emotional words, hypnotic triggers, or touching them. Okay? So, they're their own person. A lot of times, people are pre-set up to fall in the Spirit. Or, I don't want to be cynical, and I don't want to bash God, but, you know, you can self-hypnotize yourself to experience something that may or may not be of God. So, the bottom line is, I had a burden to I always have a burden to pray for the people that come forward. So I prayed for Donna Summer and her children. The power of God moved through me powerfully. And I could sense she, she was crying. Her kids were crying. I could sense she was being delivered of emotional trauma, of weariness. I could sense that she was being healed. And so there was a powerful move of God as I ministered to Donna Summer and her children. Now, Donna Summer has been to—she's no longer here on earth. She's in heaven. She had been to church on the way. So, so she wasn't going to, like, self-hypnotize herself. And so, um, um, but the power of God moved very powerfully and miraculously on Donna and her children. And then I began to pray for the, the, the people in the congregation, and they were also powerfully touched by God. And then the pastor came over, and he wanted prayer for himself and his family. And I prayed for him, and that the revival would continue. Because I believe the level of the pastor's teaching and knowledge of the Bible was rather high, I didn't see anybody fall out under the power of the Holy Spirit. Nobody fell out under the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, but there'll be other places that I'll go to um, where, again, I don't touch people physically. Uh, I might, I used to hold the people's hands gently. Uh, and my expectation, what I'm trying to facilitate as a minister of the gospel, is that they're healed, delivered, and God moves upon them, or they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and forgiveness of sins. That's my goal. And once again, I can't control everybody's outward behavior. So sometimes I'm not 
you know, creating it in any way, shape, or form. But sometimes I can sense that somebody starts to like rock back and forth. I will usually hold them, their hands more securely so that they don't fall out under the power of the spirit. I'm not trying to, to promote it. I'm trying to uh, not allow it so that a greater touch of God can be realized that is far transcendence of a momentary emotional experience. Now, the one exception to this is, and again, this is not something that I create and that I want. In fact, I really don't like this. I don't even like ministering into this area. But the problem is that there's so many pastors and churches and Christians who are disobeying God and are refusing to minister in this area. And the the aftermath is there are people who are legitimately demon-possessed and in incredible bondage. Okay? God has given me the gift of discerning spirits, so I can look at people, and there are those occasions that when I look at somebody, I see, and you may think this is crazy, but I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you and diminish the power of God in order to seek your approval. I have to risk you rejecting me and keep my integrity by telling the truth. So many times um, I'll look at somebody's eyes and I'll know instantly that they're possessed with the demon because I can see the manifestation of the demon. Most often I can see the manifestation of the demon in their eyes. The only way to describe it is like there's two people living in the same body simultaneously. I'm looking at the person, I'm ministering to the person, I'm praying for the person, but at some point, and it's usually the first time I look into their eyes, if I see a second personality within their normal personality, that second personality, if they're demon-possessed, will project visually to me a very clear depiction and physical, at least physical to me. I don't, I'm, I don't know if other people see it or not. Physical to me, I see the, the, the fact that a, 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 a demon is possessing them. This is in the case of non-believers. A demon is possessing them. And when you look into the eyes of the demon, the demon will often try to mock you with their expression in their eyes. A demon will most often try to defy you and insinuate you don't have the power to command them to remove in the name of Jesus, all of which are lies. The the, the goal is you always remember that your ultimate spiritual authority of Jesus is Jesus Christ and not yourself. So as you approach the person and pray for the person who's demon-possessed, because it would be a horrible thing to not command a demon to leave somebody that was possessing somebody, and just say you're ministering to people and pick up and leave, and leave a bunch of people that are demon-possessed. That, that's horrible. So the demon will try to, to challenge you. You hold your ground, you remember that your worthiness comes from the blood of Jesus, and you know that your authority to command the demon to leave the individual that's demon-possessed the authority is not of you, and you remind that to the demon, because the demon will challenge you if you think your authority is coming from you. So you stand your ground knowing in your inner man or woman that your authority and spiritual power to cast out the demon is coming directly from your supernatural authority in the name of Jesus Christ. And so you put your faith in that. It has nothing to do with a person jumping up and down, hollering and screaming, and you're not some shaman who's doing a shamanistic ritual, banging a tambourine, making a lot of noise in the hopes that the demon is going to exit. Your emotionalism, 
or jumping up and down and shouting. You can shout, shout out loud for the demon to go till the cows come home, and that demon will stay there. There's only one thing that forces a demon to leave somebody, and I've cast demons out of multi-satanic generational families. There's only one thing that causes the demon to exercise. You have faith in Jesus Christ, and you operate in the supernatural authority of Jesus' name. And it doesn't matter how quiet you pray. I usually pray with authority, but I, I don't, I'm not resting on emotionalism or yelling as a counterfeit form of spiritual authority. I simply command the demon to leave. Sometimes it'll leave instantly. Sometimes it will try to challenge. If it challenges, I always look into the eyes of the demon directly, and I remind the demon that I am commanding you to leave this individual now in the authority and the name of Jesus Christ. And so, demon, I'm commanding you to leave at this moment. And not only do I command you to leave, but I command you to leave now. And sometimes, I don't know if it's biblical or not, but I pray this way. Sometimes I will add, if the demon is very resistant and refusing to leave, sometimes I will add, as a, as a surge of, of, of a new anointing flows into me, I may add, as I look into the eyes of the demon, um, demon, I have commanded you to leave. And because you have refused to submit to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, I now command you to leave right now, and I command you to exit this body, and I command you to be sent into the lake of fire premature, prematurely or earlier as punishment for your rebellion and refusal to leave when you were ordered to leave in the authority of Jesus Christ. So, demon, I command you to leave now and go into the lake of fire. At this very moment, in Jesus' name, Amen. So, in that simplicity, bam, the demon is is sent wherever God sends sends him. Okay, now I've touched on the spiritual battle, the physical realm, the physical reality realm battle, the the historicity of it in terms of going back to Illuminati bloodline families. Remember, there are people, groups, secret societies, and individuals who, if you really get right down to it in terms of your analysis, uh, you, um, you, the Lord will help you to understand <clears throat> that the reason that they have their power and wealth uh, and, and whatever assets they have, and, and the reason that they're in a, they've been promoted to a rulership position, it's because they have sold their soul completely to the devil in terms of an exchange, they, they give their lives to the devil, sell, sell their souls to the devil in exchange for money, power, or whatever. And that often works in secret societies, occult societies that pass on demonic power from generation to generation. <clears throat> so, this is the spiritual battle field that, that you are, you and I are conducting our warfare in. And so we need to become, we need to step up our game and become increasingly sophisticated, which demands that we increase our knowledge. Knowledge is power. We increase our understanding of the truth in all the logistical, rational, intellectual, legal, legal, biomedical, psychological, psychiatric, geopolitical technological, and scientific areas. We need to step up our game. You know, there is a mental block in most people that I meet, especially Christians. 
and I've ministered on this at Christian universities and colleges. People have been programmed falsely to believe that they are dumber than than they really are. They have been programmed to believe through, through lies and indoctrination that they are intellectually incapable of grasping or understanding uh, what they perceive to be sophisticated or difficult subjects like hypnotic pro- programming and, and how propaganda works or scientific mind control or whatever it happens to be. And so they shy away from operating in rulership and understanding in these areas. They shy away from it because they've allowed the devil and a fallen society to program them into accepting the false belief that they don't have the brain power, the knowledge, the education, or the intellectual power to to quickly and easily understand what they somewhat falsely perceive to be difficult to understand subjects. So what I'm trying to tell you is, is that part of the spiritual battle is learning how to remove the strongholds of lies that have been embedded in your brain and personality. So so the way you operate in life is largely due to what you believe about yourself and other things. And if you are operating in this reality and being ruled by a set of false beliefs in which you falsely believe that your capacity to understand and rule over and operate in, in what you once perceived as sophisticated, you know, difficult to understand areas. You've got to understand that the entire mindset that you've allowed to set up root in your brain and personality is a satanic stronghold lying mindset, which has convinced you that that this is too difficult for you to understand. That that you can't that you can't comprehend this subject matter because it's too it's beyond your ability it's beyond your gifting. I need you to really hear what I'm saying right now, okay? Because what I'm sharing in the last moments of the program is a very viable switch that if you will learn how to turn on the on switch, <clears throat> when you turn on the on switch in your brain and intellect and consciousness in this area you will find that almost immediately you will be able to access, understand, comprehend, and operate in a far, far higher modality of sophisticated understanding of what were once considered by you to be difficult to understand categories of science and knowledge, etc., etc. Okay, so what I'm trying to tell you is that a very real devil has stolen from you, potentially, Rich, rich areas of understanding that could be of enormous benefit to you. Remember what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, that when you pursue knowledge, when you pursue with all your heart, soul, and mind understanding and knowledge, the book of Proverbs is telling you and me that that will be more economically rewarding to you than precious jewels, precious metal, diamonds and gold and silver and so on and so forth. So what God is telling you is that if you can operate in the power of the Holy Spirit through the sword of truth, you can break the satanic strongholds that are imprisoning you and keeping you away from a deeper revelation and understanding and grasping of supernatural knowledge, supernatural truth. And that 
it will become more valuable, more accessible to you than precious gold, precious jewels, precious silver. And so there will be a tangible enrichment in all areas of your life if, and you definitely can do this, so it's really not an if, it's when you break through the satanic stronghold of lies. A satanic stronghold is a Luciferian software programming mechanism that has been downloaded into your human consciousness through education, the media, other people, religion, etc., etc. So, what is required right now? As we are in the tipping point of the spiritual battle. And the tipping point means that nothing is locked in place. So, failure, defeat, being conquered, becoming slaves, societal apocalypse, all the rest of the heavy duty negatives are not a guaranteed end game for you and I. Okay, so you really got to have a revelation by the Spirit of God of of just what that means and how powerful that is. It is not predetermined that you and I go down in flames. Got it? It's not predetermined. That's baloney. The end game, at this moment in time, contingent upon the repentance of God's people, contingent upon the velocity and the intensity of their repentance and their crying out to God for his power and wisdom, We're at the tipping point, and you and I will determine which way the scale tips. Destruction, slavery, and captivity, or victory, prosperity, being overcomers in the great spiritual battle. So, this is all contingent on what we do with the truth that we're acquiring, such as the truth that you heard in this program. And what the Lord, I believe, is promising us, based on the sincerity of our repentance, based on whether or not we're going to be obedient to acquire the knowledge which gives us the power, if we will pursue God and and recognize that which is true. And what is true is our defeat is not in cement. Victory is before us. So we have the tipping point on one side of the scale is defeat and captivity. On the other side of the scale The tipping point is our victory and our ability to overcome now in space and time. So, God has put the ball in our court. Don't cop out with some convoluted theology and and say to yourself and others that we, you know, we have no say-so. Is that what what God has said throughout the Bible? Of course not. Everybody has say-so. You determine whether you're going to heaven and hell by your say-so. In the story of Abraham, he was having an intercessory prayer dialogue, or debate, if you will, with Almighty God, because God warned Abraham that he was about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. But then God supernaturally downloads and reveals a principle to Abraham. The principle is that if God can find a certain percentage of righteous people living in the territory of Sodom, if God can find a percentage of righteous people, and that percentage is, is, is matched up against the percentage of wicked people, if God can find a, a, a legitimate percentage, and it could be a very—look carefully at the, the text—it could be a very, very, very tiny percentage of people left over that, that are right with God. But even if it's just a small remnant of people that are right with God, 
God is telling Abraham that on that basis, he will spare Sodom judgment, and he will spare the lives of many people of judgment, if he can find even that tiny amount or that tiny remnant of people that are faithful to him. And so they're going back and forth. God is, is king of the universe. He doesn't have to go back and forth with anybody. God chooses to go back and forth in, in dialogue with Abraham. And Abraham is making a constant appeal to God that, God, if you can find, you know, but a hundred people left over or 50 people left over, and, and Abraham keeps coming back and lowers the number of people. If God could only find, you know, 50 people or whatever, would he spare Sodom judgment? And in every case, God, uh, even if the number is quite low, God is willing to spare Sodom judgment because of the intercessory appeal of Abraham. Now, at a certain point, there's nobody left, and God has to send judgment. So, the point is that in that depiction in the Bible, along with many others, judgment is just not, you know, uh, casually, God doesn't just snap his fingers in a state of arrogance and send burning meteors to, 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 to decimate a city or whatever. God is looking, God is, listen, listen, God is always looking for a way to save the lost. God is always looking for a way. And so where we are in space and time with America and the rest of the world, on the horizon is a satanic destruction of unprecedented portions, proportions. And this planned out destruction, known as the Great Reset, represents the greatest and most horrific decimation and annihilation of the human race, literally, in the history of the world. Because what it will result, what the Great Reset will result in is a death that is a thousand times worse than, let's say, the water-drowning death of all the people that died in the Great Flood of Noah. And there's many other examples of God's judgment upon the wicked. But all those examples of God's judgment on the wicked seem to have far less repercussions than what will play out with this demonically inspired Great Reset. The Great Reset will literally and grotesquely annihilate the possibility of millions and millions, if not billions, of potential authentically human babies never being born or never being conceived as authentic, genetic, viable human babies. They will be maligned, distorted in the most grotesque, monstrous fashion, uh, fashion that is inconceivable to our normal brains. It is inconceivable to all of us, including me, that, that Satan's evil plan, embodied in the Great Reset, would produce over a billion, if not billions, of human beings that are no longer genetically real human beings. They are synths, S-Y-N-T-H-S, or synthetics. And these synth synthetic human beings will literally be a race of hundreds of millions of Frankensteins and the bride of Frankensteins. They will be grotesque and soulless and monstrous in their physical looks and features. 
because they are the twisted creation of men and women that are so intoxicated with their egos and their total insatiable lust to be gods that they are willing to artificially steal from God the divine right of life and creation, God's divine right to create men and women in his image, God's divine right to create men and women in his genetic and DNA image, not counterfeit men and women that are Frankensteins and the bride of Frankenstein. The horror, the soul-sucking dynamic of these millions, if not billions of babies that in some remote way might look human, but because their DNA has been raped by Satan and genetically malformed, they, are, they represent <coughs> Satan's counterfeit creation of men and women. And these men and women are not created in the image of God, male and female. These men and women, listen to what I'm saying, please. These men and women are created in the image of Satan, a grotesque reptilian fallen angel. And they are in no way, shape, and form, either in their internal soul or their physical representation. They are in no way or shape created even remotely in the beautiful image of God. Because these babies are the babies of Lucifer, the babies of Satan. You you think of the movie uh, written by the child molester, Roman Polanski, who was also a Satanist. Yes, yes, Roman Polanski, the Satanist child molester who made uh, the movie Rosemary's Baby in the building of of the Dakotas, which is the same twin building that John Lennon was assassinated in, the the, the ex-Beatle. And Rosemary's Baby is the demonic account of a demon (coughs) impregnating a human woman to create a, a, a golem, a demon baby. Now, these demon babies are corrupt and hideous. And they, they are a counterfeit of the beauty and majesty and the glory and the presence of God. Remember this. Maybe you've never heard this before, but you're hearing it now. Despite the fact that Satan loves to masquerade as a beautiful, handsome, uh, glowing angel, Satan puts on a, a facade of being a beautiful, handsome, uh, glowing angel. But that's a facade. It's, an, it's, it's, a, it's a demonically energized <clears throat> fake presence. In reality, Satan, the fallen angels, and the demons, even if they are masquerading as angels of light, in final reality, Satan, the fallen angels, and the demons, the way they really look in truth is they are hideous. They are absolutely hideous-looking reptilian serpent-like beings that have an awful stench to them, that, that, that are oily and grotesque in every physical manifestation. Satan is the serpent king, as Jim Morrison of the Doors sang. He's the serpent king or the lizard king. And no, as, John, uh, as Jim Morrison of the Doors lied about in his lyrics, Jim Morrison was not the serpent king, and he couldn't do everything. He was possessed by a demonic spirit that drove him to an early grave. So Satan is a serpent being. That's why the followers of Satan on the earth love to have dragons and serpents as their primary symbol. And so when the serpent seduced Adam and Eve, remember, he physically presented himself 
as a beautiful-looking reptilian being. But in reality, that was a satanic delusion. The actual physical manifestation of Satan in the Garden of Eden was that he was a serpent-like, upright reptilian being. He was able to alchemically transmit uh, an image of beauty to first Eve and then Adam. But in reality, he was a grotesque, deformed reptilian being. Remember, we're dealing with Satan being a liar, the father of lies. And even though Lucifer was was one of the most beautiful, intelligent angels, remember, that's always the manufactured illusion of Lucifer. In reality, Lucifer, too, also is a corrupt, disgusting, hideous-looking monster known as the serpent of old. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. Spread this message far and wide, and be sure to join join with us in the battle by asking God how much you can donate financially, contribute, and give. Become a prayer warrior for everybody involved in this ministry, and engage in fighting the rigging battle so we can have victory to preach the gospel far and wide. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. Music